0: Georgie.
1: The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes.
2: Come with me if you want to live.
0: And welcome to this special Halloween edition of the Road to Nowhere podcast. This is an introduction to the extreme. I'm your host, Andy Connor, and tonight I'm delighted to be joined by Amber and Zoe. How are you doing? Hi,
2: I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I
1: am also very good. and very excited to be here.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you've both been guests before on the direct nowhere episode, so thank you very much for coming back on. I think you'll be the first t- t- well, joint returning contributors. Is that the podcast as contributors? I don't know.
2: Double trouble. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, you've brought uh, a good duo on, duo <laughs> on I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I- I'm slightly worried. <laughs> but we are um, basically going to have a kind of brief introduction for the layman's on extreme cinema. And um, Zoe and Amber have given me three movies each, just to we're going to have a wee discussion about, why they've picked them, why they think they're good for an introduction. Um, and we'll also just have a wee chat generally about extreme cinema. Um, so Zoe, obviously I spoke to you a wee bit about it before on your episode when we done Lars von Trier. Um, and I think I asked you this question before what makes extreme cinema for you, like what is the point where it becomes that kind of next level
1: That's a good question and now I need to remember what I said before for for
0: consistency (laughs) right? I won't go back and listen it's fine,
2: (laughs)
1: Um, I guess for me, extreme cinema, it's about pushing boundaries. Um, So obviously horror as a category is, you know, boundary pushing in its own way, but Mm -hmm. it's built to scare people. It's built to put fear into them. Whereas I feel like with extreme cinema, it's not always necessarily scary, but it disturbs you and it's imagery or particular scenarios that really stay in your mind. And they might not frighten you, but I think they get to you in a in a different kind of way. They push you to a, you know, like a personal kind of psyche limit to see whether that's something that you can handle. Um, You know, and they do that through covering taboo subjects that you know a lot of horror films and other films wouldn't touch Um, and I think the interesting thing for extreme cinema for me is that it doesn't necessarily always need to be a horror film it's often associated by but a lot of extreme covers things such as perhaps let's say sexual violence which isn't horror so it's kind of like drama. Um, so, yeah, it's a really interesting subgenre, I think. What about yourself, Amber?
2: Um, yeah, I completely agree with with Zoe there. I think extreme cinema and extreme horror especially is something that, for me personally, if I leave it feeling fucked up in some kind of way, whether that be emotionally or, like, physically ill, like sick to my stomach um, if I have come out of it feeling disturbed, that to me is extreme. And mm-hmm. like Zoe said as well, extreme extreme is not always like the most gory or the most sensational. Um, a couple of the films that I've chosen to talk about really aren't very gory at all. But the reason I consider them extreme is because they do deal with emotionally harrowing Topics. You know, I think someone like Lars von Trier, um, like Antichrist, is a really good example of an extreme horror movie that a lot of people don't even consider a horror film. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is gory. It has, you know, those infamous, gorgeous um, mutilation scenes, shall we say. But (laughs) the, the thing that gets to me in Antichrist is not the gore, it's just the like emotional devastation that I'm left with afterwards. And to me, that is. Why I love the extremes because you know what? What's the point of art if it's not going to fuck you up in in some way?
0: Mm-hmm. It's funny you you're saying that about Antichrist and again we, we discussed that in the episode with Zoe and it's the tragedy. It's the kind of the heartbreak almost that's extreme with that movie. I mean it's mm. also fucking grim, but <laughs> <laughs> like it's um, that certainly the what got me more for it is the. Kind of the pain that you feel through the movie, Mm -hmm. not physically, just mentally, I think was quite a a hard one for that. Um, So what you're saying there, obviously, extreme cinema, um, extreme movies and extreme horror, do you think there is, obviously, as you're saying, some of these aren't necessarily horror movies, is there much of a difference, would you say, between the two kind of slight different categories?
2: I think I mean me and Zoe have had this chat a lot of the times especially in our Ghouls magazine group chat is where we often go into the topic of is is it, you know what is the, what is the difference between disturbing and horror um because we and we often bring up something like um, the Vomit Gore trilogy, which, you know, by Lucifer Valentine, things like, <laughs> you're, favorite, you're looking excited about that. <laughs> you know, like slaughtered vomit <laughs> dolls, um, slow torture puke chamber, which are all fantastic <laughs> names for movies. But like, are they, are they, they're classed as horror movies, but are they horror movies? You know, they're not, are they, are they scary? Like, I think the line between disgust and fear is a really interesting one to take a look at um because it is at the same time it's so distinct but it's so blurry you know there's no supernatural or ghosts or jump scares in a movie like i don't know like august underground is another one that we talk about a lot like are those horror movies uh just because they're extreme and violent and gory i don't know it's a very interesting thing to think about
1: yeah i think they really play into the fact that um, these films often feel very kind of personal in the fact that, you know, what you find disturbing can be very different to what someone else finds disturbing. It's all, it, I find it a bit different because most people have the same fears and we're often scared of similar things, shadows, darkness, strange noises. But when it comes to being, like, truly disturbed and unsettled, I find that actually there's often things that you wouldn't, you know, like a childhood character that really disturbs you because you can't remember. It's not built to be scary, but it disturbs you. So I feel like it's a slightly different kind of emotion that you get from extreme films.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then both of you have just had new episodes out of so Hornblood Fire Season 2 started. Um, Zoe, you've been doing a Bloody Obsession. Uh, yeah. if I said that right?
1: Yeah. a bloody Good. obsession.
0: Yeah. Um, and Zoe, you were obviously a guest on the first episode of um, Horn Fire, season two, discussing A Clockwork Orange. And some, I think, obviously, there was talk, and I think you actually said on it that it wasn't banned. It was uh, Stanley Kubrick. Did he just pull it himself was that yeah, right?
2: yeah he pulled it because he was basically sick of getting told that he was a fucked up person and you know i think he him and his wife were getting death threats sent to their house so it, it wasn't technically banned but it kind of you know it was it was all but technically banned he pulled it and the reaction to it was so strong that people just pretty much figured it was banned
0: yeah so i remember um for my school book report, we were always given lists. I don't know if it'd been the same for yourselves in higher English, um, and I was given a list of two, three hundred books. Can't remember that they had in the library, and I picked *A Clockwork Orange*, and I was told no um, because it was too too much to discuss. So they let me do um, *Stephen King's It*, which has a child, bu- <laughs> child, yeah, child gangbang, child murder. Lots of disturbing imagery. I wasn't like Clockwork Orange though, because again, again it's a reputation, wasn't it? It had 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 um, a TV miniseries that was played constantly on whatever channels you would get it on, but Clockwork had this thing hanging over it. Um, and I need to re watch Clockwork Orange the first time I watched it. I wasn't too, too keen on it, but would you say that was, did um, that come under the, the extreme cinema, do you think, in terms of for the time, I suppose, maybe? I, uh, Do you know what? I would say, yeah, it does.
1: I mean, if you're, you know, extreme as with horror, it can range from a light touch to a heavy touch. Um, And I think the topics of, you know, torture, experimentation, rape, there is murder... In A Clockwork Orange, it does, you know, it's a film that did disturb people. Maybe now it's not as disturbing compared to, you know, some of the films that me and Amber like to watch, but considering the time and, you know, the topics in it, I think, you know, it is quite disturbing.
2: It had been a wonderful evening, and what I needed now to give it the perfect ending was a bit of the old Ludwig van.
0: Um, and then the uh, most recent episode, or certainly the most recent episode I've listened to of *A Bloody Obsession*, um, was for *Megan is Missing* and *Perfect Child of Satan*. Is that right? That and is you, correct. Do you have you have mentioned that director uh, uh, Lucifer? Can't remember his name now. The the guy Allotide. that I know, if I ever I know if I see his name again, then I'll instantly click because I also watched that as well as *Megan is Missing*. I mean, Lucifer yeah. Valentine. <laughs> Lucifer Valentine. That will always stick in my head if yeah. I see it. I, I might not remember it, but as soon as it comes up, and then obviously he's got quite a uh, design for these posters and things like that. But um, so Megan is Missing was a tough one uh, for me. And we're obviously going to, again, we're coming into more of a, a an intro to the extreme, but these are ones that just are kind of been around for us just now, uh, kind of a minute. And uh, it was really tough, like, I remember while I was watching it, thinking, like most film footage, there's not much happening here. And then the last 20 minutes is just, oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Megan is Missing is, um, I mean, I personally think it's a phenomenal film, but I also appreciate it's, it's maybe not the, the nicest film to watch.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I would say that. <laughs> they message you after it saying, I need to have a shower now. Like, yeah, I felt. Yeah. <laughs> it just got. But as, as you're saying, it depends on how you would rank that reaction. Like, Amber, you're saying, if you don't feel disgusted by something, then, and if something doesn't really kind of get under your skin, then what's the point in it? For me, when something gets under my skin that way, I don't respond positively to it. But for other people, like yourselves you do and that's that is doing their job really I suppose
1: yeah I I mean I think I've always liked the aspect of almost evoking an emotion that I don't get on the everyday. you know like Mm -hmm. I laugh I have fun well not all the time but you know a lot of (laughs) the time I have a good time but you know I'm never like truly disturbed in my Mm day-to-day um so I find it like I don't know maybe kind of like a bit of a exhilaration almost like you know like people go on roller coasters adrenaline junkies i like to watch Megan is missing on repeat you know mm. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I just
2: thought of you just at home Like again <laughs> <laughs> More
0: More <laughs> Just sitting, blanket on Warm cup of cocoa Let's put on Absolutely. Megan is missing yeah. um, Nothing nothing uh, Horrific and disturbing in your Day to day life, you clearly didn't try and get the Pre-sale for blank 182 today then Which was fucking grim And I genuinely felt worse after that Um I did not get them funnily enough and if you're at out like this fuck you shit piss fuck cunt cock sucker motherfucker tits fart turn twat
2: shit piss fuck cunt cock sucker motherfucker tits fart turn twat shit piss fuck cunt cock sucker motherfucker tits fart turn twat
0: shit piss fuck cunt cock sucker, motherfucker tits fart turn twat i got your more but Anyway, on to something <laughs> else. Um, so yeah, it's it, it, it's something that before probably I started speaking by yourself, Zoe, that it was a genre that I just definitely avoided. And for our episode, uh, directing all we were discussing, Lars von Trier was probably as extreme as I'd went. Now I've got my, my new top with Megan. Um, we well, going to go through the list of the three movies each that you've picked. We'll go through one each at a time kind of jump between the two of you Um, I think I would like to start with Raw because it's the most recent one I watched really because I hadn't seen it Um, and that was one of your picks Amber (laughs) kind of thoughts in relationship with this movie
2: i watched raw when it came i think it was the year that it came out which now escapes me Was it 2018 16 it was 2016 if i didn't mm. watch it then i watched it maybe a year later um mm-hmm. and i watched it because people had said to me oh you like gory films you like fucked up films you have to watch raw um and at this point i was quite into new french extremity um Obviously, Martyrs is a great movie. I also like anything by Gaspar Noe, like um, I Stand Alone, which is a really horrible film. um Also, In My Skin by Marina Devan, which is one of my favorite films of all time and is fucking horrible. Um, so when I watched Raw, I was, I was, I, I really liked it, but I was kind of like, uh this isn't as extreme as as those two. Having said that, my biggest freak out thing that I cannot handle and I can handle a lot, like you guys know me, I'll, you know, I'm into like the faux snuff and everything. One thing I cannot cope with is cannibalism. It really fucks with me. Um and specifically realistic cannibalism. So in uh, the film I mentioned earlier in My Skin really gets to me cuz she's just eating like little bits of her own skin and that to me is just like no. Um, more so than like Cannibal Holocaust or Cannibal Ferox or something where it's just guts, guts, guts. Um, So the scene in in Raw when uh, she just really nibbles on her sister's finger, I was like, oh God, (laughs) it really got to me, which I always thought was funny because I consider myself like Mr. Big Dick and I can handle like so much, but I I couldn't handle that little finger. Um, But I think... One of the reasons I enjoyed Raw so much is because when I was watching it, I was thinking like, oh, this is a really great introduction to cannibalism and new French extremity in, in general. It's mm-hmm. not as aggressively bleak and upsetting as something like Martyrs, but it is bleak and it is upsetting and it is gory, not to the same level, but it, it definitely is. Um And I also think it's a really great movie for young horror fans, especially young women who are into horror because it's, you know, it's a film about, it's a coming of age film. It's a film about coming to terms with your sexuality and sexuality in general and your kinks and what you like and what you don't like. Um, It's also about coming to terms with um, separating yourself from your family and how different you really are from your family and can you ever escape being attached to your family like that. Um so I was really impressed when I did watch it. I did prefer uh Julie Ducono's second movie, Titan, which came out last year, which I fucking loved. Um, but I I don't think that's I wouldn't class that as an extreme movie. Um and I don't even think I would class Raw as an extreme movie, but I do think it has it has roots of extreme in it and it's a great place for people to uh dip their toe in, as it were.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really took to this one actually, which is, I was quite surprised that because I didn't like Titane. Mm-hmm. I really couldn't take to that at all. Like, um, Titane, I think, was maybe just too much of an assault on my senses for it's me. Very divisive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I wasn't huge on this. So, mm-hmm. going back to obviously uh, Julie the first, is this a first feature?
2: Uh, yeah, she had a short out before, which mm-hmm. the name escapes me. But I think I'm pretty sure this is her first like feature
0: length. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it I thought the, the kind of two, two, three central performances were really good. Um, so I, uh, I had a, I've got a friend, uh, one of my, my my best friends, and he worked in France for a wee bit, met a French woman, got married to her, and he was a vegetarian at the time. Um, and now he's a full-blown carnivore, which kind of <laughs> reminded me <laughs> of this movie. And it was quite, Demise- quite <laughs> interesting the way the, it seemed like what he said was you can't live in France, you can't go out a French person and not eat meat because they just don't accept it. No, yeah, and it was but, quite interesting yeah. with this, obviously. Um, uh, the main premise is the main character is vegetarian and is forced to eat meat like in a hazing ceremony in university. mm
2: mm-hmm.
0: What really got to me with this was the hair scene in that fucking toilet. Oh, yeah. So I'm incredibly squeamish with anything like that. See, look, plug hole hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bring my wife in. have to get her to deal with it. I can't touch it. Like, properly it is grim, me It's not Yeah, <laughs> it is, yeah. That was, that was the most extreme part of this for me, which is um, quite interesting. Zoe, are you a fan of Raw? Have you... Oh, yeah.
1: I mm. fucking love this film. I think it's amazing. I would agree with... Uh, I'd agree with you, Amber, that I don't think it's necessarily extreme, but has its roots in extreme. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I I really, really vibe this film. Like, I love the aspect of it looking at coming of age. Um, I feel like I'm really into coming of age, nastier films, like Excision, I think, is a really nice, like, company yes. choice to raw and yeah i just think the element of like cannibalism um as also i guess a bit of a metaphor for like sexual lust i love that topic mm-hmm. and Amber, but we discussed um trouble every day together which has got like <gasps> similar themes and i feel like raw is like trouble every day for younger people that maybe yes. wouldn't quite yeah, yeah, yeah. get on with the trouble every day i think it's amazing
0: hmm. I've heard of Trouble Every Day again from I've always end up referencing Evolution of Horror, but from that the only thing that I know about Trouble Every Day is some scene where the kind of protagonist or antagonist, I suppose whoever lens you're looking at it through is having sex with someone and eating them at the same time. No oh, reason I know about that is because he played because so Mike <laughs> played it through and I had my headphones on while I was doing my my job and it was it was fucking horrible. <laughs> like the noise is just oh yeah. my skin crawl.
2: No, you're you're completely right. When it is it is like trouble everyday light. And I think like cannibalism is huge in New French extremity. Um there's something very, very feral and very uh, animalistic about a lot of new French extremity and you know this like exploration of h- how different we are from animals and Trouble Every Day really goes into that with um, Corée eating her sexual partners and then Justine ends up doing the same thing in Raw and uh, her sister whose name always escapes me but yeah that's just why I loved it so much is because you know, once you've had raw, it's kind of like a metaphor for the film itself because you ha- you get a little hit of it, and then you need more mm-hmm. and more. So then you can go into like in my skin and trouble every day and martyrs and you know all the other lovely new French mm-hmm. extremity films. there are.
0: I've seen martyrs as well, actually. So there you go. I don't know how I have seen that. Actually, that was it's a while ago.
2: I was I was almost going to pick that mm. as like one of mine, but I decided to yeah. go for raw instead.
0: What I loved about raw was the the kind of last. 15 10 15 20 minutes i thought it was excellent it really caught me mm-hmm. yeah. there's a twist at the end i won't go full spoilers um but there is a, a twist at the end which i th- had expected but was still well executed um just at the, the dinner table at the end um mm. yes i kind of thought that was how it was going to go maybe with a wee bit more added on it but i still thought it was brilliantly done um, but we won't go fully as I said into, into spoilers in case people are wanting to, to watch it and I would I'd definitely recommend this one maybe, maybe not all of them but <laughs> <laughs> definitely but, but again it's up to everyone to make their own choices um, we'll stick with the cannibal theme then um, and we'll Zoe if you're happy with going on to cannibal holocaust I've seen one a long time ago when I was far too young and it put me off watching it again because I've shit myself but I know a lot of the kind of controversy and lore sort of behind it um, and it kind of almost fits in a wee bit with what you're saying with well, maybe not actually with um, Claude Orange but anyway, 1980s Cannibal Holocaust
2: Four young and fearless Americans children of the space age armed with cameras, microphones and curiosity, Alan Yates, Faye Daniels, and their two cameramen and inseparable friends, Jack Anders and Mark DeMossi. Four youngsters who never came back. Are they still alive? And if so, where are they? These are the questions that the rescue team sponsored by New York University and the Pan-American Broadcasting System hope to be able to answer. back we have we- Felipe our guide oh, Say yeah. hi to the
0: what is your kind of thoughts on this was this a, an early extreme movie for you to watch and get involved in and got you into the genre or was it something different
1: yeah, I mean, I I feel a bit mean, um, perhaps suggesting <laughs> *Cannibal Holocaust* as a, you know, a, a way into extreme cinema because I think it's it's probably quite hardcore for a lot of people. But you know, if you're interested in getting into extreme, or you know, what like finding films that maybe will give you a taste of what's more to come. I think Cannibal Holocaust is, like, a really good choice for that um, because, you know, extreme cinema can... those films I've seen and I've gone, actually, I don't want to see that anymore. Like, that's where my boundary lies. And I think, you know, getting into extreme kind of need to accept that you will have to find the boundary, or hopefully people mm-hmm. find boundaries or they're just, woo, <laughs> But, you know, find that boundary and go, do you know what? Actually, that's where I draw the line. I'll watch other films. Um, And Cannibal Holocaust, yeah, it was the first extreme film I saw and I was just hooked. I was like, this is the most horrible, disgusting, (laughs) disturbing, most (laughs) fucked up thing I've ever seen in my life and I want to see more of that. And so I hope someone else will have the same experience.
0: Mm. (laughs) I think as horror fans, everyone knows about Cannibal Holocaust. Like, it's just kind of, like, yeah. everyone knows Michael Myers' mask, everyone knows the Jason mask, everyone knows about the exorcist and the, the or everyone who worked in the exorcist died bullshit that you get, whatever it is. And Cannibal Holocaust is one of those movies that has just kind of permeated everyone's psyche over time. It, it was all about, um, because it had um, animal slaughter on, actual animal yeah. slaughter cut live, but taking it in the context of the movie, it was part of... It was almost like guerrilla filmmaking they were they were doing, wasn't it? And getting tribes that they were filming with who were, unless I've read that wrong, since.
1: So there's because uh, I was I recently <laughs> did um, actually have an episode coming out s- at some point um, on <laughs> our bloody obsession, uh, talking with Martin Trafford who does a lot of um, artwork for extreme films, a lot of like Marion Dora which don't love the films, but you know, the artwork's good. Um, and we discussed actually Cannibal Holocaust for that episode. And I did a bit of deep diving. Um, and there's a great podcast by a filmmaker called Jonathan Doe. Um, and it's called, I think it's called The Uneasy Explorers Terrain. Um, and he actually spoke with the main actor in Cannibal Holocaust. It's an interview with him, and from the sounds of it, they weren't too pleased about the animal killings when it was happening. Um, a lot of it was for was for the camera. Um, mm. It wasn't for anything else.
0: Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> With uh, the kind of controversy as well, is uh, try and say this properly, I always butcher names. Ruggiero Deodato is the director. See, see, C. C. Yeah. He it was Italian. Uh, uh, see? <laughs> bringing up the Italian now. Um, he was hauled into court and things like that, wasn't he? Like to prove these people weren't dead, but he'd also wanted them and uh, Correct me if I'm getting this mixed up with the Blair Witch Project. Did they not want him them to like not like advertise the film and kind of take themselves out of the public eye and not be involved in things like that? Or am I getting mixed up?
1: <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they did. Um, it's I think the Blair Witch and Ruggiero Diodato did something very similar. I know that he basically, yeah, told the actors to hide away. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was supposed to be for like a year or something yeah. but uh, he was apprehended by yeah the Italian police who you know, <laughs> took him to court and was like, prove these people aren't dead or we're going to, whatever, put you in jail or whatever they do in Italy. Mm-hmm. Probably arrest people normally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. what happened.
0: Yeah. I think it is quite um an influence. How, how much influence do you think a movie like Cannibal Holocaust has had on modern extreme cinema like i know eli roth's got uh one that's slightly i think he referenced as an influence for green inferno i've never seen green inferno so i couldn't tell you but i know he's mentioned cannibal holocaust um is it something that gets picked up a lot on in terms of big influences for modern movies nowadays
1: uh i don't know you know yeah
0: um
1: I, I guess so. I guess mm-hmm. Cannibal Holocaust, I think it's influenced a lot of uh, the found footage genre in terms of extreme cinema. And you see a lot of extreme films going down the route mm-hmm. of found footage because I guess it's quite effective. Like mm-hmm. when it comes to some of the nastier stuff, like it, you know, a lot of it wants to feel like a snuff movie. And I guess Cannibal Holocaust, in some ways, kind of felt like a snuff movie. So I guess, you know, films like um, the August Underground trilogy, which I think you mentioned earlier, Amber, that absolutely takes influence from a film like Cannibal
0: Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Amber, are you big on Cannibal Holocaust? Is that?
2: I so I first watched Cannibal Holocaust when I was in university and I was very, very, very depressed. <laughs> so I was not in the best headspace to be watching it. And all I could remember was, I like, was like, this is just like the depths of human suffering. Um, I, I knew when I watched it I, I knew that it wasn't real already um, but it, it just it feels so real it's it's so visceral it's so raw and it's so divisive and I can kind of see points on both sides you know I can I can see why people think it's exploitative and cruel to animals etc cetera, etc cetera. but I can also see the necessity for a piece well I think it's necessity for a piece of art like this to exist because I think you know art should exist to, to fuck us up um, but I know a lot of people think it's not necessary I see a lot of influence Zoe as you mentioned especially in the found footage and I'm going to mention our favorite now which is the guinea pig movies um, which is another one of those those infamous films that you know (laughs) People thought was so real that um the cast behind Guinea Pig actually had to make a making of documentary to be like, hey, look, nobody died. Um we made this film. Every one of this films is an actor. Um and I even when I was watching it, what uh, recently rewatched Cannibal Holocaust Today, actually, for this podcast. And something that I also saw influence it with was um, and he's we mentioned him earlier, is Marian Dora who directed a lovely film called melancholy de engel um oh,
1: <laughs> not that
2: film never which, that um, film for anyone who doesn't know is three hours of of scat porn basically um it's really terrible and really quite foul um some people like it i'm not here to judge those people but yeah it's it's one of those it's a film that has real animal cruelty in it um they kill a lot of snails and spiders and bugs and it but it also has a kind of like bizarrely serene soundtrack to it which is something i love about cannibal H- holocaust is that the soundtrack is so is so great um and so doesn't fit with you know the atrocities that you're seeing on the screen a lot of the time um you know it's bookended by that lovely song which i can never remember the name of um but i think in terms of you know found footage cannibal holocaust is really you know it kick-started it whatever you want to say about cannibal holocaust it changed the fucking game of horror forever and probably you know more so than people would like to admit Mm
0: -hmm. yeah um As I said, I've I've seen it once. I don't think I could go back to it again. And this is also an introduction, and it's a brutal introduction. <laughs> like um, I think, yeah, I would still say it's important. I think it has had, as you say, in terms of found footage, which is my probably my favourite subgenre of horror. Just started to put Keepsie tapes today as well, um, which is yeah, um, uh, it certainly important in the the way the movie's been made and that's in a guerrilla filmmaking and the the what's the, the marketing around it in terms of keeping the actors away and everything which was later, as I said uh, picked up by Blair Witch and things like that um, yep, I I'm <laughs> still going to wrap this one up I <laughs> No, I don't think I could watch this again. But again, yeah, uh, compared to what you usually um, mention, Zoe, that, that, that it's fairly, fairly low bar. Ah, <laughs> uh, what Cannibal Holocaust? Yeah, yeah. Just in terms of if, if like I don't know, kind of do this. This works really well in audio, doesn't it? Me trying to show my hand and um, yeah, in terms of. If it, if you what's the word is that iceberg thing? It's quite up high on
1: that, ah the iceberg. The iceberg yeah. yeah, I guess it is quite high up on on the iceberg. But I guess the iceberg you also got to consider like depending what iceberg you're looking at. But the lower <laughs> yeah. levels on some of them is like real shit that's on the internet that
0: mm. literally like, shit as well. Yeah,
1: like actual real. Shit, not good, don't look it up, burn your computer if you bother, kind of stuff. Which to me, I'm like, that, that, I don't even classify that as extreme. I just classify mm. that as depraved shit you shouldn't look at. Yeah. So in that way, I think Cannibal Holocaust is one
0: of the more hardcore films for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. Sure. Interesting. Um, so that wraps up the cannibal section of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We'll go now, I think we'll go a bit more clinical and clean, which uh, maybe that's the wrong words to use, but um, Amber for a a movie I've actually discussed on our podcast before, Audition, Uh, 1999, Takashi Miike. Watched this for the first time this year actually, and it was an experience that I didn't expect it to be. Like, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> it starts out. Do, do what, I'll let you take it away with this because for me it felt weirdly melodramatic, and then it just goes fucking nuts. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, th- I think you can you could pretty much say that about a lot of Japanese <laughs> cinema. I mean I wasn't gonna not choose a Japanese film for a talk about, you know, extreme cinema I- cinema because in my mind Japan has created like some of the most iconic and important pieces of extreme horror movies ever to exist, like we mentioned earlier, Guinea Pig, things like I don't know, Tumbling Dollar Flesh or even like sillier things like Tokyo Gore Police, um, or anything by Sion Sono like uh, Cold Fish or Suicide Club. And then if you're talking about extreme Japanese horror cinema, you can't not talk about Takashi Mieke. Like he, he's right there at the center of it. Um, and I think Audition is a great place to start with his work because it's extreme. It's, you know, it's bleak, it's gory, it's unforgiving. Um, but like you said, it's got this melodrama to it. It's It's got this story. And I think a lot of the things that, Something that Pete puts people off extreme cinema is they're like, oh, it's just meaningless gore. Um and audition is not. Yes, there are sore off limbs, there are tongues being cut out, there are people drinking vomit, all the good stuff. But at the heart of it, there's a there's a very <laughs> there's you know, there's a story there, there's a real plot to get stuck into. Mm-hmm. Um I think Asami is, is also a really interesting character, and I know that women empathize with Asami. I've seen, like, you know, she has a fan base. People love her. You know, she's abused and by men and taken advantage of her whole life. Um, she goes through the most horrible things that you could imagine. And... I don't want to say it's one of those like good-for-her films because it's really not. It's a lot more complex than that. No, but I... it
1: is a good-for-her film, <laughs> <but> It is.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah, all right, all right. We'll, we'll say that. I think so too. It, I mean, it is. I mean, for a lot of women who have been through the terrible, disgusting things that Asami has done to her, to see her fucking go batshit crazy isn't really going batshit crazy to them it's just a release of rage and it's catharsis um and i think what makes it extreme is that it, it does go there with the gore but it also does go there with um some of the themes we mentioned earlier you know like like things like child abuse or abuse in general uh misogyny um hatred of women rape sexual assault all of those topics that extreme horror does hit on and a lot of people call audition misogynist a lot of people call it feminist i don't really care either way because i just love it and i think it's a great place to uh push your limits
0: Mm -hmm. When i was talking about the kind of melodrama when it first started it felt almost like a a David Lynch Twin Peaks mm. episode, <laughs> like it's that, that style of music really? behind it. Mm. Um, it's,
2: it's, it's very dreamy. I mean, Miyake is a very—he's a very a competent director, and he gives you these beautiful shots. of, you know Asami look overlooking the the ocean, and then suddenly you're like, "There's a tongue on the floor. There's a creature <laughs> drinking sick out of a bowl." And you know, I love that juxtaposition, mm. baby. We love it.
0: Yeah, aye, uh, it's um. The I think the, the the it was the vomit drinking scene that got me um, crawling out like a, a sleeping bag or a, a just a, a sack in general and then just like, actively accepting vomit as a meal. It was lovely. Um, mm. It's um, Takashi Miki is an interesting. I don't think I'm thinking pronounce his name as I said I always do pronunciations wrong. Takashi Mi
2: I, I believe it's Miyake, yeah. Miyake, I mean, I'm probably on. wrong as well. I lived in Japan. I can't even just, speak Japanese. Just <sighs> say
1: Takashi Mike. Just Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mike. <laughs> Mr.
2: Mike.
1: Just Mr. Mike, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're British. We're, I, well, you're not British. I'm British, so I'm allowed to just say yeah, uh, Mike.
0: <laughs> He's... Um... He's certainly a, a, an interesting filmmaker and they, they churned out lots for years. Like I think he's I hundreds he's in in terms of his directing and especially around that, that era. Um, but th- this was a, an adaptation of a Ryu Murakami book, is that right? Um, who also done a book that I read and I really loved when I was younger in the Miso Soup, which I don't think's ever been adapted, but I remember it being fucking crazy as well. Um, it's
1: so good.
0: I mi- recommend recommend. Audition or In the Miso Soup?
1: Uh, in the Miso Soup.
0: Yeah, yeah. For some reason, uh, going off topic a bit here, the character of In the Miso Soup, um, the American kind of tourist that's there. I imagine getting played by Fat Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. You <laughs> just even like enough psycho to be able to pull that off, but aye, that's in a, another... Aye. Book podcast, I don't know. Um, Or a Russell Crowe podcast, you could do that. Um, Zoe, do you like audition? Is it a a favourite?
1: I, it is, it's, do you know what? I love it and I hate it. Mm. I love it because I love Asami. I dressed as her for Halloween at a party I had um, and no one understood who it was, which... (laughs) You know, the edge lord in me was super proud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, no, I think it's a fantastic film. Um, you know, echo absolutely everything Amber said. I think it's a challenging film to sit through. Uh, it's, it is tedious in places and it's pretty boring for mm. a while. But some, a lot of, you know, extreme films are very slow paced like that because, they need to kind of shock you when you're least expecting it. An audition mm-hmm. absolutely does that. You think, you know, everything is going normal and, you know, he's just dating and then bam. Like you said, you know, sick in a bowl, tongues on floors, God knows what else going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that aspect of it. And I think Asami's a really strong character. However, I do kind of hate it because I have watched it a few times and the more times I watch it, I'm like, oh, fuck, I do find this really boring mm. it's for the most mm-hmm. part. Like, and I, you know, I struggle with that. But I do think it's a really good pick as a beginner film. Mm. Um, I think it's a good, a bit more of a gentle ease into it and also to show that a lot of these films, you know, can be more drama than anything else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's funny what you're saying there I don't know what you're saying there about the extreme being kind of slow build to then hit you at the end which when you finish it means once you finish them that's your kind of lasting impression they've made on you like we were talking, mentioned earlier a wee bit about Megan is missing and nothing happens for an hour and then it's 20 minutes of so just full on grimness <laughs> like and the audition's definitely like that as well Yeah, um, with the, the kind of the cheese wire. <laughs> <I'm> fucking...
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Get 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 get
0: Yeah. And <laughs> it's not, yeah. And I don't even think that's not even as long as something like 20 minutes. It's really quite a, a short, sharp kind of ending to the movie, but it definitely lasts.
2: I think, yeah, I think it, it, it makes you sit through it. And just when you're about to be like, oh my God, can something please happen? Everything happens all mm. at once um and you know takashi miyake doesn't really often portray half that restraint to a lot of his other films i mean he's he, a lot of his other films are quite quite balls to the wall um visitor you yes yes exactly exactly <laughs> um but i i just think it's it's a good place to get into japanese horror because it's also accessible a lot of the big thing people often say to me like I can't get into Japanese horror because I don't know where to find it. A lot Mm. of these films aren't translated. They don't have subtitles. Um, They never got a Western release. Fucking none of them barely get UK releases. I mean, we had like Tartan Asia back in the day. RIP, God bless. Um, But since that, we don't get like a massive amount of Japanese film released over here, especially. But Audition is, I mean, I think Audition's on... I don't know what it's on, but it was definitely on something. Like it, it was on something. I think big. it's on
1: Shudder. Yeah, yeah it's on Shudder or, or
2: Netflix or something, right? It's it's so it's 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 easy to find. Yeah. Um, and I think Japanese film in general is something that a lot of people could stand to get into because they're not just horror. There's just so much there, and if you do want to go to the extreme places then Japan's your country right yeah. there. You, can, you know, There's a whole world of filth to explore.
0: Mm-hmm. It, def- it feels as well like the style of Japanese filmmaking is unique and it's something that a lot of Western audiences wouldn't have seen. Like I watched mm-hmm. um, God, uh, Happiness of the Katakuris.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Fucking hell. Like, <laughs> I, I still don't know what happened in that. It was a musical. <laughs> so it was a murder mystery. And then there's... They end up in Africa or something when there's a volcano sweeps their house away. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it was interesting, <laughs> to say well, the least.
2: Another, yeah, that, exactly. That I think that's a lot of Western audiences come away from a, a good Japanese film, f- going Japan. What the fuck? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> An audition is, you know, a perfect example of that. I mean how many western horror films can you name off the top of your head that have a, a creature that lives in a sack drinking vomit out of a bowl it's probably not i mean maybe but not that many
0: and maybe count it on one hand <laughs> maybe um so that was audition um from takashi miike and keeping it clinical coming on to zoe's second pick and we'll go with human centipede <laughs>
2: I love that segue. Yeah,
0: it's the surgical style things in it There's wires oh, sure and jumps yeah. <laughs>
1: used um, Isn't it 100% medically accurate
2: Yes Um, I was wondering if I could get Driving directions to a Nightclub called Hello sweetie No we're in Germany right now Maybe we can talk to you later Alright
0: we miss you Bye Amy Bye sweetie I think we're supposed to turn. I thought you knew exactly where we were going.
2: What was that? We came from over here, I swear. We just got a little lost. A little lost? Yes, we're not a little lost. We're really lost. Hello, can anyone help? We got a flat tire. Can we come in? Something to drink?
0: Um we uh,
2: we are on a road trip through it's like Europe. A, yeah. Can you call uh, the emergency car service for us? You have a really lovely home.
0: Ah! is
1: Via the gastric system, <laughs> the human centipede is secret. Ah! Um, we start with cutting the
0: ligaments of the kneecaps. Still so crazy! Here, I'm still here. Oh, yeah, yeah, it exactly. is. <laughs> um, I had a, a first time watching this for another episode uh, with Mary Wilde um, discussing the trilogy. Um, Zoe, uh, Human Centipede part one, or first sequence, is that what it goes by? First sequence. First yeah. sequence, yeah. Um, this is probably one of the most notorious, at least of the past kind of 15, 20 years, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I well, Tom Six is like one of the most must be one of the most abused people on Twitter ever. Um, <laughs> you know, he 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 takes it in good humor. He retweets his hate, you know, <laughs> encouraging more people to watch the Human Centipede, which I like. You know, take it in your stride. Um, the Human Centipede is such an interesting film because I don't necessarily think it's an amazing film. In itself. Um, I find it not that entertaining, to be honest. But for someone that's wanting to get into the extreme, like the human centipede to me is a really good starting point because mm-hmm. it's not too much, whilst it sounds on paper too much when you hear the plot, which is why there's been so much outrage about it, because most people have never even watched it. They've just gone, oh, my God, people are so butt to mouth. What the hell is going on? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Freak out about it. But when you watch it, all right, there are some pooping scenes which are pretty gross, but it's not the worst film in the world, I don't think. Mm. Um, I think it's quite a watchable film, uh, and it also goes into that disturbing element, but it's a little bit so kind of over the top that it leans into humour which for me makes it a more bearable extreme film watch and one that maybe is a bit fun because I do think extreme cinema gets a bit of a bad rep for being like really bleak and horrible, which mm-hmm. most of the time it is and that is all good stuff. But some of it's quite fun. Some of it is fun to watch. You know, you think of Terrifier 2 has just come out. That kind of film is like a fun Film to watch because it's just a bit OTT. So I feel like the human speed is. I'm basically trying to mark it as a fun family film here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I've got a four year old. I wouldn't show her that. Um, <laughs> I mean, she's probably done things <laughs> a lot more gross. But um, <laughs> it was it was quite interesting. This would again, as I said, it was the first time I had watched it, and I went in extremely tense, expecting the most vile thing that I've ever seen in cinema which is Human Centipede too but anyway um, I fucking hate that <laughs> but Human Centipede was, it was glossy Like I wasn't expecting it to be such a glossy movie it's well made, it's well produced it's Dieter Leiser um, is over the top batshit fantastic um, uh, it's not for me but uh, okay um, alright and, and yeah it was a, quite a surprise Like I definitely watched this one again and it's reputation precedes it I think is mm-hmm. the thing with it um, like um, I, as I said I was expecting just something completely horrendous but Zoe so as you're saying there's elements of humour like, um his the, his doctor character is so convinced of his own surgery that it's going to work as just one kind of smooth intestine essentially with the person in the middle and um that I, I don't know how care how good a surgeon you are that's never going to work perfect <laughs> um but yeah, yeah. I, I, and and, and I, I, I definitely enjoyed it more than I thought I it. would
1: yeah it's, that's the thing like it's an enjoyable film to watch like because it is just a bit. I know it's a bit comical and and, you know like you're saying about I mean the second film is a whole different ball game completely Mm -hmm. like I really like the second film but the second film disgusts me it made me physically sick the first time I watched it um there are some scenes in that that are nasty like yeah just nasty and I wouldn't suggest that for like (laughs) a beginner
0: I would maybe suggest the third one for the beginner, actually, as well, because it's just nonsense. <laughs> like I love the third one as well, actually. Like the third one, I think, I had more enjoyment out of, just because of how daft it was. But the second one was a movie that just got right... It, after watching it, it just felt like it got right under my fingernails with dirt. It's such a dirty movie and, like, grimy, and the main character in it is just always sweating and greasy and everything about it, just, no. and mm, No. Um, about human centipede for you
2: um well I think like you both established I think it's pretty well known that the human centipede 2 is what everyone thinks the human centipede one was yeah um, I haven't seen number three so I'm not gonna comment on that but number two is yeah it's horrible um but the reason I love the first one is because it got Um, and I say this with the most love in my heart, and I call them normies. By normies, I just mean people who aren't horror fanatics, but it got them talking, and I I love it when a horror film breaks that, um, breaks that barrier and you, you're seeing it now Zoe you mentioned you just mentioned Terrifier too, but we're getting that whole discourse of like oh my god this film is so gross it's making people throw up in theaters and that's making people go and see it and I love that because I love it whenever a movie breaks out of our little sphere of, of grossness and, and goes into the real world and you know even people that don't watch horror or have nothing to do with horror they know about the human centipede it's like hush hush it's whispered it's rumors it's an urban legend yeah. um and i absolutely love that i just i was talking to you guys earlier but i just last night i watched um smile mm. and the cinema was packed it was absolutely packed and i was uh, seated between these two groups of uh lovely huns who were like screeching and jumping and like me being a horror connoisseur I could like tell when the jumps were coming and I was like waiting for their reaction and I just loved it it was so much fun it was so much fun to see people who aren't necessarily like jaded by horror movies like out there and enjoying it and I think that's what the human centipede did it came out in that you know that early time when everything was it was all torture porn it was all sore it was all hostile um which are also good extreme like we'll get into in a second but I think the human centipede was great because it had that urban legendish um mythos behind it and i just loved that i loved being part of it
0: mm. yeah definitely it was um as i said not as a uh, not as extreme as i expected like um what you're saying about it being for the, the normies my, my wife is not a a horror fan at all um, but she saw this years ago well before me because yeah, I was yeah, like,
2: it's, yeah like, it's, like, it's, like, it's so well known and the, it's like it becomes a challenge for people who aren't into horror to like push themselves to watch it and I, I just love that because we need more people in our little gross world
0: mm-hmm. and you just the with Terrifier 2 is, is apparently Blown box office out the water. Apparently it's doing great. It's getting extended and releases. I don't know when we're getting the release for that. I remember hating yeah. the f- never. I remember really not liking the first one. But I'll maybe give this. I think this one's more of a plot based than the first one was more almost anthology style, wasn't it? But at the clown, I think this one seems to have more of a kind of running plot. But I, don't I know. think,
2: well, yeah, Art the Clown, sorry, I go off topic. I think that's Art right, the Clown no, was in, he was in an anthology called All Hallows' Eve. I haven't seen that. Yes.
1: maybe that's where I've seen in that. Yeah, yeah, that's where it, it's from. Right.
2: I, uh, Terrifier 1, I loved because it went there uh-huh. and it was fun. And Art the Clown is fun and he doesn't give a shit. And I'm so excited with Terrifier 2 and I want it now.
1: Mm. I, I can't watch Terrifier 2 because I'm... I'm terrified of clowns and terrified oh, no. one actually freaked the hell out of me. I was like, "Now nah, I'm tapping out. Mm. No. He
2: is scary. He's a scary fucker. terrifying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can, I, I might have seen All Hallows Eve then. I've only seen one movie with him in it. What's the one with something happens in, and he's like in a TV and he's going towards the front of the TV. Is that All Hallows' Eve? I
2: think that's All I mean, There is a TV in... I haven't seen All Hallows' Eve, but there is a TV moment in Terrifier 1, but I don't think he's... T- Terrifier 1 has a scene where... I'm not going to spoil it. Someone's upside down. No. Do you remember?
0: Okay. Because the, the scene that I've seen, <laughs> I remember of, that scene. Yeah, <laughs> the, the scene that I've seen of Art of, of the clown is he. Someone's watching the telly, and he's kind of hiding behind things and going towards the camera, what you think is the camera, but then he starts knocking on the TV screen. So, I
1: think that's all Hallow spell, Eve. Hallows Eve Yeah. In, so I
0: didn't like that. Maybe I would like Terrifier one then. So I'll give that a, a watch. But I mean the discourse around Terrifier too. And from what I've heard, then of Terrifier one is is quite extreme in terms of gore, but it's over the top. Like it's almost entertaining gore, like we get yeah, in oh, a lot yeah. of horror movies sometimes. nowadays.
2: yeah, it's stupid. I think that's that's <laughs> the reason why I I liked it so much when I saw it. I was, so I was like, oh, this film don't give a fuck. It mm. <laughs> was like I'm gonna do this, and yeah. there's no reason. I just want to do it, um, and I just hope <sighs> that Terrifier two carries on with that.
0: Fair enough. Um, so that was a wee bit of a divergence, but that's fine. Um, the Um So, Zoe, the Human Centipede trilogy, is one your favourite? As I know you're saying, two is horrible, which it really is. Um If you're saying that, then that makes me feel better about thinking it was disgusting as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, out of the trilogy, because I mean, I've seen the third one as well, and that film... I save. I've got them somewhere on my phone. I saved the Snapchat videos I made at the time, uh, where I'm very, very upset about the fact that I'm watching the Human Centipede three. <laughs> and I am going to give a spoiler because I'm going to be <laughs> that person. But a man gets raped in his kidney, and that mm-hmm. is all you need to know about yeah. the third one. So, yeah, stick to the first or the second.
0: <laughs> oh really, so you would say, right, so uh, So for me, like the one was the kind of clinical, uh, me- let's say it's the medically accurate one as it advertises, um, two was the nastier older brother and really sweaty and grimy and as I said it felt like it was under my fingernails after I'd watched it and then the third one was just like gonzo batshit. Like it was, it was just nonsense. But I actually enjoyed it. Like, has you yeah, get the human caterpillar millipede? Oh, I can't remember human slug or some fucking thing at the end of it. I can't remember.
1: <laughs> yeah, where well, they they've got the long <laughs> long train of them. All it's just <laughs> it's,
0: it's so stupid.
1: It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I kind of love it for the fact that it's just stupidly ridiculous, but mm. um. I I think if you you know there's a lot of films in the world you could watch and you could just skip out on that third one.
2: Yeah,
0: fair enough. It's, it kind of increases the meta of the the first two or the, the certainly the second one because Tom Six turns up um, in this movie as Tom Six, want to see if it can actually be done and things like that. But yeah, uh, that's fair enough. Uh, Human Centipede certainly the the more. Um, Cinematic out the two in terms of story and just again how it's shot, it just looked really good. Um So that that ends the the clinical side of the podcast. The next two don't have any link at all, so I, I don't really know how I'm going to mush this together. Um,
2: well, they're both set in Europe.
0: there we go, magic <laughs> sorted. Right, in fact, <laughs> let's just wrap it up now. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> um, yeah, the, this is the European. Let's have a wee look. Uh, it doesn't work but okay because um, <laughs> they've all been in Europe so far carnival kind of Holocaust which oh, America geez. actually uh, hold on Raw France Human German Centipede Germany Audition oh, yeah let's ah, yeah. yeah. just yeah mm-hmm. uh, okay it's so European. yeah different European countries from what we've been before there we go this is the last part for the last movie each Um, and Amber you've went with Funny Games the 1997 original directed by Michael Hanike who also directed the remake This film made me feel really, really down after it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like <laughs> I've seen both, and they essentially, as we've discussed, um, kind of off pod about light for light remakes mm-hmm. and the point of them, which is not much. But, <laughs> oh, that was so, good. like, I just remember my shoulders slumped after I watched it and oh, yeah, just felt home. rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> This is it, it's such a, a. I'll let you go. A fire away. Funny Games, nineteen ninety
2: seven. <laughs> so I chose <laughs> Funny Games because um, Funny Games is one of my favorite films of all time, and I put it in a beginner's guide to extreme because even though I don't think it's 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 not gory at all, it's it's actually very tame in terms of its gore. It never goes full tilt chaos, um, but the feeling that it leaves you with afterwards that to me is what extreme what i love about extreme horror you know funny games goes to places where a lot of films don't want to go you know there's there's a very there's a, a a child dies in it first of all straight up spoiler alert um but how you know how often does a film actually go that far to mm-hmm. to kill a child in in such a graphic way um i think funny games is a really good film for anyone who wants to push their limits emotionally um not necessarily gore wise you know this is a film where the anxiety never lets up from the minute paul and and Peter get let into this couple's house. It is just awful. They there is no no repentance. There is no release for this family. And I chose Funny Games as well because I think Funny Games in itself is a comment on extreme cinema. You know it it breaks the fourth wall constantly. um There are you know times where Peter. Uh, sorry, Paul looks at the camera. He breaks the fourth wall and there's that infamous scene where he rewinds it because he doesn't like what's happened. Yeah. The one time on screen that we get, you know, we finally get this cathartic violence. The mum kills um, Peter, but suddenly it's rewound. That never happened. We're not allowed that satisfaction. We just have to sit with this agony that this family are all going to die at the hands of these two little twink psychos um but you know, like michael haneke in a couple of his other films like a, a film called benny's video he talks about the lines between um cinema and real life and zoe you and me talked about this on my clock Orange pod and how you know how does violent cinema interact with our reality does it influence us does it have any bearing on us what kind of violence is okay to consume and i think funny games in itself The violence is the point. Um, There is no point to this film. Why do they kill these families? Who knows? Who fucking cares? The violence is the point, and that's something I love about extreme cinema, and I know a lot of people see a violent film. Recently we saw this with Speak No Evil, actually, um, which... I won't spoil no. if anyone's not seen it, but a lot of the discourse I saw on Speak No Evil after it came out was, oh, my God, it's so brutal and it's so it's so mean and it's so cruel. Why? What was the reason? Because it can be. Mm. Like, that's the point of cinema is because it can be violent and it can go to those places and it doesn't need a reason. And that's why I love funny games.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Speak No Evil. <laughs> I watched that as well, and that was quite hard going. In right, terms I'm glad of... you watched it,
2: because I didn't want to spoil it.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's okay. We can avoid the spoilers, because again, it's another movie that hits you at the end. Like We've mm-hmm. kind of discussed with extreme cinema does that to you. I don't know if Speak No Evil you would class as extreme, but certainly the ending was out there. Um, funny Games, for me, <clears throat> you can see... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It felt very... Like I could feel the Clockwork Orange influence of it.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I mean, very... they're their white outfits. Like, yeah. there's a, yeah, there's a the very way. Clockwork Orange influence. Um, mm-hmm. Again, why does Alex commit anything he does in a Clockwork Orange? Because he can, because no one's stopping him and people let him do it. Um, and we don't, get a, we don't get an introduction to Peter and Paul in funny games. We never find out who they are or know anything about them. But we do know is that they love violence and they love it for the sake of it. And they mm-hmm. love it because it's theatrical and it's they love cinema and they, you know, just want to go out there and kill people because it's fun.
0: Yeah. And you can see the influence of funny games on things like The Strangers, mm-hmm. which was maybe more based in jump scare horror when uh, as a movie. But that theme behind it of just violence, I think in the line of Strangers is why you're doing this too, is because you were home that's yeah. like why not type of thing exactly, and yes, like,
2: mm-hmm, that's and that goes through funny games speak no evil and the strangers they all have that scene where the person is like why are you doing this and the other person replies something along the lines of well because I can or because you let me or because you're mm-hmm.
0: home yeah Zoe um, so funny games for you is it, is it fun and games
1: it is fun and Fuck games take. for me <laughs> no, no, no. I I, lo- I absolutely adore Funny Games. I think it's amazing. I think it's such a great film at showing the element of of realism. Um, whilst the film obviously is not portrayed in like a realistic setting, i.e., like a found footage format, the way that the characters build this sense of terror and they terrorize the family feels very realistic. And similar to, you know, you both mentioned like Sweet No Evil and The Strangers, both of those films as well. It's kind of in a very real world setting with something that could genuinely happen to you. And the aspect of bringing through that bleakness, I mean, you know, if you think of things like serial killers, they're really bleak topics, there's no happy ending. And Again, you know, serial killers often commit their crimes not for any reason, just because they want to or they can or they have a, you know, a want or a need to do that. And I think, you know, a film like Funny Games perfectly kind of portrays that realism and that bleakness through the way you know just when they first interact at like the door when they see the family um, and they go and ask the mum for something it's so uncomfortable and unsettling but nothing is really happening for a while in funny games and obviously Mm -hmm. then it does kind of you know amp up into some <laughs> quite nasty scenarios um but you know it's, it's very close to real life and as you mentioned amma you know a lot of commentary on on the the things we see in real life you know we see violence every day on the news that's okay to consume but you know things like extreme cinema and horror seem as like a bit weird so mm-hmm. yeah funny games has a lot to say
0: mm. Well, I think I seen this maybe when I would have been two thousand seven. This would have been out. I think I seen it just after it came out. Actually, when it came out on DVD, just because at that time my interest in Clockwork Orange was still kind of peaked in that style of hyper hyper violence isn't the wrong word, but the way that the the Clockwork Orange violence gets described and the kind of aesthetic of it was still quite in my mind when I went to watch it and. It definitely wasn't what I thought, especially, Amber, like you said, with the scene where uh, they break the fourth wall and there's just a rewinding scene. You feel that catharsis, you get that. Bad guy gets bludgeoned with whatever it is. And then you go, I said, I said, when this came out, I'm thinking of the remake, sorry. Um, (laughs) I seen the remake first. Um, And it just takes it away from you and i think that's the hardest that for me that was the hardest part of this movie taking it away from you taking that sense of relief because if you get the sense of relief i think with some movies if you don't have the sense of relief happen at all you can kind of accept it mm-hmm. but
2: but this yeah the fact that you get given what you want you get she gets her revenge and then uh, Paul is like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. You you don't get that. You, and that's kind of like what I think Hanukkah says about us as an audience. It's like, I'm not giving you what you want. You're going to sit here and you're going to feel sick. Um, I think that the part that gets me the most in funny games is right at the very end um, when they're all, all three of them are on the boat, Peter, Paul, and the mum, and they just push her off the side. And I, I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, what the fuck? Like, there's no... There's no big, you know, big climactic resolution. There's no like final girl. They just, he literally is just like, yeah, time's up and casually pushes her over the side. There's not even yeah. a splash. It's just like, it, it hurts my soul because it's like how meaningless their lives are to these boys. And oh man, it's just such a good film. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's the it's the the kind of almost harsh realism. Like there isn't a hero that's coming in to save the day and is going to jump into the, the lake and pick her out. It's just that's it. That's these things do unfortunately maybe not. And in, in such a, a kind of grand scale as this one, but these things do happen. And there's there's no there's not always the happy ending. And that's the the proper gut punch of that movie. Um, it's very with the, the fourth wall breaking and the the rewinding. It's very She Hulk. Yeah, but I don't know if that's <laughs> that's
2: not my thing I'm going to shut up. the Marvel hater shut
0: up, up. <laughs> Oh, Avengers jumper I know, I, this wasn't intentional it was either this or Spider-Man, or Venom I had three jumpers, I've got three jumpers and it's cold and they're all Marvel, so there's never, there's never a way to go to work, she holds good though um <laughs> You're <laughs> talking to the wrong
2: girls. <laughs> last episode of the day.
0: Oh, it is it's peak television, honestly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Funny Games is, it is heartbreaking. It is soul-destroying. It's really hard to watch. But again, I can see why you've put it in this kind of introduction to the extreme because it's it stays away more from the the violence, which I think puts a lot of people off. The extreme violence, like the extreme gore and and the realistic gore. I think that's one of the things about extreme tournaments, the realism that's involved in in some of the gore um, that kind of puts people off.
2: I think yeah. I think the reason why funny games is so effective is because it's not gory, but it is violent, and it's it's Mm -hmm. violence that is real. It's it's sexual assault. It's um you know bludgeoning a guy in the knee camps with a golf club. It's hitting a child and then killing a child. Like what is more abhorrently violent than that? Um, it's not guts coming out. It's just an off-screen death. Um, which I think is also what's really ter- what's really horrible about it is that we never get that closure on any of the deaths. They all happen out, out of our view, and we're just left with you know, right, well, that's life, I guess. Yeah,
0: like a visceral aftermath.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a hard watch. It is a hard watch, but still a, a great movie. Actually, um, mm-hmm. sticking with a European theme. <laughs> Cut loosely um, <laughs> We'll come to the last of the six And unfortunately Zoe I fucking hate this film <laughs> <laughs> This is Hostel from 2005 By um, Filmmaker Eli Roth Saw this in cinemas. I have seen it many times since, and that, mm, no. But make your case.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, I guess I'm a bit of a hostile apologist (laughs) because I love this film. This is my guilty pleasure extreme film because. It is a pile of burning trash and I love it. <laughs> I can watch it on repeat for days. I, and I know, you know, there is some shitty characters in there. Um, I know that Eli Roth is probably not not our greatest friend at any point. <laughs> but I think Hosta is a really fun film. And I think, you know, you mentioned, Amber, about some of those films that reached a wider, more mainstream audience. And extreme cinema is is still so niche. There are a lot more people, you know, discovering it, but I think it's still a very niche kind of category. So I feel like films, you know, such as Saw, as you mentioned, Amber, and something like Hostel were, at the time, at least, really good way for people to kind of dip their toes in and get a taste of what extreme cinema is about. Um, And I think for me, like Hostel is, it's fun. It's fun to watch, but it's also nasty to watch. It brings in, you know, the, the topic of torture porn, which is quite popular in a lot of these extreme films. And, you know, I personally quite like torture porn movies. I can see why people don't um but you know like the saw films they're really gory but they're fun to watch as well um so i think like something like hostile for me you know the first kind of elements of it it's just so dumb and i'm look forward to seeing the characters die which sometimes (laughs) is a really cathartic experience to just go yeah you're gonna get fucked up mate because you're an idiot and I like then seeing, you know, them get tortured. It's it's kind of pleasing and, and stress-reliefing in a way.
0: Yeah. it was. Um, I'll, I'll give it to Stu for one thing. It was the first movie I think I'd really seen where the likable main character, and this is a spoiler, but it happens about half an hour in, I think, the or the more likable out of the two, let's say that, uh, is the first one to go when you think he's possibly going to be the protagonist throughout the whole thing. Um, gets a horrible slice to the, he gets uh, a gauge done to him, pet cemetery full on slice to the Achilles, um, and it then focuses on the guy who's been the dickhead for the first half hour. Um, it was part of this almost. I think people see certainly in, in horror nine eleven as being the post nine eleven kind of nihilism that came in after it, and people had seen like you're saying Zoe earlier on about you watch a lot of violence on the news, so extreme cinemas. Why can we? Why is it okay to consume that on the news, but not in terms of storytelling? People had seen thousands of people dying in real time, and there was like a, an angry reaction to that almost. Like we had Saw. The first Saw is maybe not as uh, gory as the rest of them go. It focuses certainly a bit more on the... The sort of uh, mystery and the, the the crime solving of it, but they developed into what you're saying, the more touch upon aspect. And the hostel was part of that that kind of angry reaction to a post nine eleven world, which was changed the world for everyone. <laughs> like that's the thing, changed the life for everyone, no matter where you were. Um, it, yeah. Did you think... agree with that? Maybe or if you don't, then tell me to piss. Yeah.
1: No. I, no. I absolutely do. Like, I guess. Um... I guess horror kind of goes through like cycles that, you know, obviously talk to like society's feelings at the time. And I think we often underestimate that, you know, watching sometimes horrific things on screen can be like a safe space to process emotions. So, you know, like you mentioned, after 9-11, there being a lot of rage and stuff. Films kind of like, Taught, you know, that were torture porn, they feel angry, they feel violent, mm-hmm. they feel dark and like someone going a big fuck you to the world. And I think, you know, we sometimes need those films to get a release. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, uh, you've got to think about the current situation we're in now. We've just had like, you know, two years of, of lockdowns and COVIDs and we've Everyone got in a really bad headspace. Like mental health has plummeted. It's gone so down. And now I would say like this year, you know, we're kind of in the clear-ish. But, you know, the quality of horror films we're seeing, but they deal with like much more human aspects. Um, you know, there's a lot of films on things like loneliness and feeling alienated and really, you know, uh, suffering with like mental health. And they're all things that have obviously become like big fears for us off the back of, of COVID. So I think, you know, films like Hostel were just mimicking, you know, what we needed as like a release. And we just see that kind of continue as a trend.
0: Yeah, yeah. i for you is that like
2: um so just going back quickly to what you said about 9-11 mm-hmm. um i think something that's you know been said about hostile quite a lot is that hostile is it's a film about the other and it's very specifically a film about foreign others um and it's very specifically a film about americans in peril at the hands of foreign others and i don't think it takes a genius to figure out you know what what this was a reaction to which is partly why i don't really like hostile having said that i don't really the, the early aughts is probably my least favorite time in horror um there's not many from that time that i think of too fondly plus eli roth gave the world uh, knock knock which is maybe maybe the worst film that exists on earth and um I've seen melancholy at angle, so I don't say that lightly. Um, I we, think, we,
0: we, we got Anna De Armas out of that. That's the first thing I remember May, seeing her in.
2: May, I'm not a fan. I <laughs> don't get. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not an Armas <laughs> fan. I don't get it. Sorry.
0: <laughs> she's good in Knives Out. I've not seen Blonde yet, so and she was I good in the ten minutes outfit. she was in. Oh no! Right, we're well, not getting into that but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. No. she's she's, um, she's nice to look at.
2: That's what I like I her for. I, I, yeah. I think I, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll save that for another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
0: Blonde spoiler special. Get his own for. You know.
2: I wrote. I don't even want to watch that. I can't be asked. Um, Three
0: hours. The discourse. Like
2: um, what was I talking about? Hostel. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny. Actually, I thought I'd, I'd read this to you. Ten years uh, in 2010 on Facebook. On this day today, I wrote. Just watched The Last Exorcism, um, Eli Roth fucking hack, worst hour and 25 (laughs) minutes of my life. Um, And I've just looked up The Last Exorcism, and he produced it. He didn't even direct it, so I don't know what I was talking about. But, but yeah, I just thought it was a nice little on-topic. I think Hostel, as much as I don't really like Hostel, I think it has a very, very important place in horror. And I think especially for people of our generation, um, you know, assuming we're all in a similar age bracket, it was for some of us. It was the what got us into more extreme horrors, um, especially if you're like late late twenties to mid to late thirties. Those were the kind of films that you were seeing at maybe peak development times. Um, so I think you know a lot of the gore in Ghost uh, in Hostel is very good. We've got some lovely eye scenes, some lovely other bodily parts ripping out, um, and I think with with that in mind it does have an important space the thing that got to me when i watched it is the thing that gets to me with a lot of eli roth movies is he just the way he writes women just but um, i have i'm like go the opposite way to a lot of people i think i'm getting less uptight as i get older so when i first watched hostel i was like this is so misogynistic i hate it and now i watch misogynistic films all the time and i love them um so I do think Hostel has a place in our horror movie history. And I think it is, a, I think it's a very good place to start if you're looking to um, get into gore because the, the whole gore porn, like you mentioned, it's a safe, it was a safe place and a safe time for people to let out their rage and their aggression and their anger um, through these kind of quite high budget. I mean, towards the end there, the sores were getting, you know, a lot of Hollywood buzz and a lot of Hollywood attention and, um, and Liam O'Nell today is doing some things on Twitter that are maybe <laughs> maybe strange um but i think in general that kind of era of of horror is a, is a very good place to start
0: mm-hmm. yeah i saw this 6 months before i went interrail around europe so i was shitting my ah! pants <laughs> 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 convinced that I was going to get murdered um, i don't know why like I, I never met anyone like that i once stayed in a hostel that had a bed that had a suspicious dark red mark on it. I just slept on the floor. It was fine. No one came in and murdered me. Um Yeah, it was that era, like we're saying, the, the, the kind of angry era, people responding to an awful tragedy. And it was when we also got, like, Rob Zombie's Halloween. And, eh, as you're saying, they saw movies. <clears throat> in terms of the, the scenes in this, the one... The good thing, at least, that I liked about Hostel was you got your catharsis at the end with the kind of handsy doctor that eats salad with his fingers like a fucking nutter. (laughs) Disgusting. The the foliar on that just... It's like, people probably pay money for that, and uh, ASMR or whatever, MSR. (laughs) ASMR, yeah, they love that shit. There's shit like that, and, and there you go. I'll charge for that, but anyway... Um, it's, yeah, it's it's a good bit of catharsis at the end, at least, with choppy fingers and toilets. and That was what I quite liked about it. It kind of got me, as we're saying, with a lot of extreme cinema, it's the gut punch at the end and then it finishes, and you've got to deal with that. Um, Zoe, for you, have you seen... How, how many... Is there two sequels to Hostel? I think there's three so th- films. Three films, I So there's Hostel one, yeah. two, and three. Basically, we seen so. the other ones.
1: Yeah, I I don't think I've seen the third one, but I've seen the second one, um, and I really like the second one as well. I feel it's maybe a little less misogynistic, um, but as you said, Amper, like I used to also be like, oh, I won't watch that because of this, and now I'm like, look, if I like it, I like it. You know, I'm not going to yeah. deny myself from enjoying. Hostel. um so you know the second film is perhaps a little bit not a little bit better written I think um and there's like one of my favorite scenes ever in the second film um it's like a a throwback to Elizabeth I think she was called Elizabeth Bathory who used to bathe supposedly bathed mm. in uh, the blood of like young virgins so that she could stay young and in the second film, they recreate a very similar scene. And I love it. I remember seeing that scene and being like, whoa, I don't know what this is, but I like this. <laughs> and I was like, and that could be very wrong. <laughs> but I think it's a really powerful scene. Um, so, I mean, I loved the second film for that as well. But I think the first film, like I said, is it's a great it's definitely a great beginner film because it's, it's just not too heavy. And, you know, you could watch it with friends as well. Like, it's kind of like a beer, uh, you know, get the beers in, have a smoke, sit with friends kind of movie. Whereas I don't think you'd approach like Cannibal Holocaust like that, for instance. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, a bit more fun.
0: I think it seems the descriptions of it as bro horror. Some yeah, of
2: Perfect. That is perfect That is the, oh, that
1: is the genre yeah. I like Bro <laughs> horror yeah. Yes
0: Beer pong and getting prison. their throats cut it's just That what you is
1: want. my vibe Like chilling <laughs> with the lads You know out in Ibiza Watching Hostel on repeat <laughs> nice. That is literally
2: like Hostel, Hostel 3 I haven't seen Hostel 2 I have seen Hostel 3 and it's absolute Piss and <laughs> shit um, But it's Both about I think are. it yeah, it's both. Um, it's about. I think it's about like a bachelor party. I remember watching it, and I was thinking, this can't be real. Surely men don't really talk like this. It's just awful. And they're literally like, "Yeah, bro, we're gonna get you some pussy tonight." And I was like, "No, no, 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 no."
1: Uh, but that is how me and the bros talk <laughs> at the weekend, you,
0: the you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, um, my stag weekend involved us going to football in Berlin and then spending all our time in an Irish pub because it was cheap. So we seen Love none that. of Berlin. It was my third time there, so it was okay. But everyone else, it was their first, and we just sat in an Irish pub. But it was fine. 17 euros for six pints. I'd fucking stay there. Um, <laughs> so that's a reason to visit Europe um, don't Black hostel put you off uh, I, I also know.
2: felt bad for like was it? Is it Slovakia
0: I think it's Slovakia um,
2: yeah but the, the tourist board were like <laughs> please come to our country we are not like this. and I have actually been to Slovakia and it's a very nice place
0: I've always wanted to go actually um,
2: it's nice yeah, yeah food's not very good but Europe
0: yeah Eastern Europe's <laughs> fantastic one exactly. of really the best places you can see the history and Americans are scared of anything that's older than three Hundred years old though, there's also um, you need to add that. And they see a castle and they absolutely fucking run for the hills. But, <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll only get two people that download my podcast, America. Sorry, right. <laughs> I think I know them, so I don't think they'll be too offended. Um, so that will wrap up our introduction to the extreme. Um, Just as a kind of sign off, for a wee footnote at the end. Is there anything either of you would say are essentials? Well, that's maybe too general. Moving on, say, if everyone that listens has watched these six movies, is there any other ones you would suggest to where to go next?
2: Let me check my letterbox to minute. Oh, that's
0: fine.
1: <laughs> I'm going to check mine. Um I do have a couple of suggestions, whether they're... I guess they're perhaps not as, uh, maybe not super beginner friendly. Um, One that I would definitely recommend, for instance, would be um, Irreversible. I think that would definitely go out there. I think it's a great, you know, new French extremity film and also a film that, is not really horror at all. Mm -hmm. So you get a good sense of that. Um, And then I would also probably suggest a film like I Spit on Your Grave, Mm -hmm. just because it's a really tough film to watch. But a lot of extreme is rape and rape revenge. And for me, some of the best extreme films are rape revenge films. So I think, you know, watching something like I Spit on Your Grave, you can you can decide whether it's a topic or not that you're okay watching because it's a topic that if you don't want to watch something like that, you know, with, with Trigger and stuff, like, just don't touch it. But if you do quite enjoy those kinds of films, like, you'll get a lot out of them. But, yeah, tread <laughs>
0: tread lightly. Can I judge? Can I get a, a judgment on this? Those two movies, do you think I should watch them? Just for me to gauge um, it. <laughs> Uh, I've seen Last House on the Left. If that means anything,
1: I yeah, I think I think if you've seen the Last House on the Left, you would be all right with maybe oh I don't know maybe I spit <laughs> on your grave, irreversible as well. But it is it's particular. It's a particular right. film. Okay, cool. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> and, Andy, you'll be fine. Just watch them both. Come on.
0: Okay. You <laughs> can pay for my therapy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> deal. Fact, this is a I've deal. actually
0: got some receipts I need to give to you once we're finished here. <laughs> Amber would be yourself.
2: I think I'm gonna have to go with I think I'm I'm gonna have to say Sallow or or the 120 yes. days of Sodom because it's it's extreme but it's it's in that same kind of genre that we've been talking about which is emotionally devastating and not necessarily gory um but i also think that like the political and historical history behind the b- behind Salo and behind Pier Paolo Pasolini is really important for for anyone who wants to explore like censorship and why we should be why extreme cinema lets us be, uh, you know, opposed to censorship of certain things. I think his story in particular is very important if you want to get like a more like cultural context to extreme cinema, um, as it were. I, I would also say I'm going to say Martyrs. I think everyone should get to Martyrs at some point, if you know, because why not? It's one of the saddest films of all time. And then I'm going to say a film that I love is which is tetsuo the iron man um which i don't even think is necessarily extreme in any of its content but it's it's the watching it in itself is an extreme experience it is like a constant onslaught it's like under two hours of just like constant grinding metal and anxiety and by the end of it you're like fucking hell i just need to sit down in a quiet room and have a relax Mm. um so i think people should get to you know the the cyberpunk side of Japanese cinema is it has a lot of extreme not in content but extreme in visual and oral sensation um mm. so yeah I would go with those three
0: cool um is Salo the one where people eat jobby off a spoon
2: they do. Lovely.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to watch but that. I, I will
2: say, I will, no, I will say, in, in my defense for saying Sallow, and I, the, 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 the shit doesn't look that realistic. Nowadays, Um, it's quite obviously not shit. I mean, the, the very, the thought of eating shit is obviously repulsive, but it doesn't, I can assure you it does not look like real shit. And that's a sentence I never thought I'd have to say. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I think the closest I would get to someone eating shit on film is probably from Step Brothers, where Will Ferrell has to like the li- <laughs> lick the white dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my, limit, my like. I think that's the only thing I've seen that involves shit when mouths. <laughs> Apart from, well, humans eating a beat, of course. I could forget oh, that. Yeah. Um, so to wrap up then, um, amber where can everyone find you
2: um you can find me on instagram and twitter at hornbloodfire um you can find my writing on ghouls magazine and grimoire of horror uh you can find my news pieces on fangoria uh you can subscribe to my newsletter and you can listen to my podcast also called hornbloodfire wherever you find your podcasts
0: and yourself zoe
1: yeah, you can find me um, on all of the various social media channels um, at Zobo with a shotgun without the A on Twitter because character counts and bullshit like that. Um, I don't know what I've been up to lately. Not much. Uh, we've got some fun stuff happening over at Ghouls Magazine. We've um, got a couple of cool campaigns coming up around franchises. Um, and lots of great articles, listicles for the spooky season. Um, and then our bloody obsession podcast. We currently have an episode out on Megan is Missing and A Perfect Child of Satan. Um, Also, Kelly, my co-host, chatted with uh, Kelly McNeely uh, all about a film called Atroz, which I highly do not recommend anyone that is a beginner newbie (laughs) to extreme (laughs) even touches. Just do not go near that film. Um, And then we have an episode coming up soon, the Cannibal Holocaust one, with Martin, um, and other than that, yeah, just follow me on Twitter where I chat a lot of bullshit.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna to have to watch that Cannibal Holocaust one now. Fucking hell! You could have told me that at the start. <laughs> so I'm, going, I'm never watching that again. Uh, definitely, yeah. Uh, a uh, bloody obsession, Home Blood Fire, both great podcasts. Check them out. you Can find us at where is nowhere. I'm at nowhere, Andy. Um, If you want to delve into the extreme, the episode I've done with Mary Wilde discussing the Human Centipede trilogy, there's mine and Zoe's episode discussing um, Lars von Trier and also I've an episode with Amber discussing David Cronenberg, which is body horror and um, quite extreme themes as well, um, which is possibly...
2: We should have said a Cronenbuck is too
0: And on that note Zoe, Amber, thanks very much for joining me And we'll catch you soon
2: Thank you so much Thank you
0: Bye The date started off so well Begin my night Not expecting the fright of my life She was
2: perfect from what I could tell How could I not see
0: Front of me. My favorite food is fish Baby, that's my favorite too I love cutting dogs Baby, I love Scooby-Doo Hey girl, what's your favorite film? She said the best, best movie, movie of, of
1: all
2: A masterpiece, masterpiece of art You've God. been sent to I think,
1: holy shit, I'm gonna be the main course She said,
2: I admire the narrative of character growth I try to get the waiter's attention by blinking in Morse code
0: Why are you blinking so much?
2: I've got something in my eye Here, let me get it out No, thank you, I don't wanna die Bonjour, sir was blinking at me, is this because your date is a freak? No Very
0: good then, bon appétit Stop hiding Silly made a
2: red flag To not take a chance on the best relationship you never had
0: Maybe you're right and I'm looking for excuses My heart's got
2: bruises but I'm ready to choose
1: this life It be the of
0: my life One day we'll get married and be husband and wife With a tasteful ceremony and the wedding of our dreams oh,
2: You've been the way we can save on the catering bill. You've been sent
1: to